We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Welcome to the J podcast. I am your host, Jahans Maniga, a.k.a. 12, a.k.a. Canadian Red Bull. Make sure to like and subscribe to the Field of 68 Media Network so you can enjoy content such as this. I'm representing the Blue Jays as always, forever and always. But there are a whole lot of different hosts representing their own alma maters. And but today, you know, this is a Creighton centric podcast, and this is exactly what we're going to talk about today. I have a very special guest stepping into the J with me for the second time. He is a repeat offender around these parks. He's a guy that the Nebraska fans love to hate. He is a welcomed friend of the show. Welcome him back for the second time. You missed him, you loved him, you asked for him to come back, and here he is. Tobias Hegner is making his grand return to the Welcome to the J podcast. Toby, what's up, brother? What's up, brother? You know, man, I forgot to mention something real quick. Hey, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. Can I be the first to announce it? Yes. Toby Hegner is an expected father, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go. It is a different feeling. I can tell you that a lot of emotions, that's for sure. And, and don't and, and you boy. can tell yeah i was gonna say you can tell them the good news too we have a future blue jay in our hands congratulations to you and pepe of course you want to hear some 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 you want to hear some just complete bullshit and i'm, I'm not i excuse my Let's french but there's no better way of saying it class of 2041 <sighs> Think about that for a second, bro. <laughs> somebody, oh, dude, oh, somebody texted me that really yeah. close and near and dear to me. I literally turned my phone off and put it in silent mode. So I'm like, I can't. Wow. <laughs> I, can't just, I can't even fathom the idea of that. 
I'm not even going to speculate on the baby name just yet, but class of 2041 is, yeah, that's a curveball. I was not ready to hear today. (laughs) That's insanity. Obviously, congrats on that. Aside from the great news, how are you, Toby Hagner, personally holding up? How are you doing? Man, it's been it's been a wild ride here for a little bit between coaching and running around and you know, we're in a, I'm in a place where my brothers and I are currently buying the business from dad and all that stuff. So it's it's there's a lot of ups and downs in, in this roller coaster ride, that's for sure. And you know, and then to throw a baby onto it, you're just like, you know, you think you're ready and then you're like holy shit. <laughs> kind of moment life, so, life comes at you fast <laughs> it does man it does and and just like you're just trying to prepare and you know we had the big gender reveal on sunday and you know we got to see all the friends and family and everybody that could be there kind of thing and we're, it was such a good moment but then it kind of really hit us that we're like okay you know we're like less than three months away from this child being on this earth and we need to start kicking our ass in gear kind of thing so it's been it's been a good year, dude. Can't complain one bit. Um, coaching was a blast. I'm really enjoying that. I got a good group of kids, so that that always makes the summers fly by real quick now. So now adding a kid, in, you don't want to hear something else crazy. So Peyton's not too happy about this one, so you'll appreciate it. So coaching, you know, I kind of had to make a big choice. You know, I had these 15 year olds last year, going to be 16 this year, and I'm like, I've had them for two years. Do I just turn my back on them, ditch them? you know, and let them find a new coach kind of thing and let it ride. And I'm like, that's not the dude I am. You know, I'm, I'm going to commit, sign the paper. I'm all in. And uh, Peyton's like, hey, I'm due on March 28th. And I'm like, March 28th. Like, one, two, that's three days before my possible first tournament. Wow. And she's like, you better not be traveling out of state. So it's, little boy, he might be three years, three days old by the time he sees his first basketball game. So. <laughs> Priority. I, I don't know, Toby. It sounds like you're. It sounds like you're gonna have to make a tough decision there when the time comes. That's what oh, it yeah. sounds like to me. No, it's gonna be a tough <laughs> one. That's for sure. <laughs> I don't know. It'll you be. Spoke, it'll be good. You spoke about it being kind of a roller coaster ride. How about the roller coaster ride that we experienced yesterday? A little bit watching the Jays versus Texas game. Man. Jays in Austin, uh, losing seventy-two to sixty-seven to the Longhorns. Whew. Couldn't make a shot fight. to save our lives, unfortunately. Somehow, somewhere we still end up in the game, which is, I think, obviously, kudos to the boys for keeping that, you know, defensive spirit and fight alive when you can't make shots on the offensive end. I know a lot of times you can get discouraged defensively, but kind of talk to me about your initial take as you were watching the game, as you saw everything winding down, you know, seeing, unfortunately, miss after miss from the three-point line, especially, and boys just started being able to cash in always getting close to like eight six four points but never being able to really get over that last proverbial hump uh talk yeah. to me about what you saw and and you know your your take when you were watching the game you know it's this is kind of the second game that i felt like they were in an absolute dogfight you know it was blood mm-hmm. it was blood for blood both ways for for god it was all 40 minutes it felt like you know it's there was not a point in the game where you're like oh you know, yeah, uh, Texas hit that run in the second half and they kind of pulled it to 12 or whatever. But then, you know, mm-hmm. Creighton being who they are, get punched in the face and then get back up and punch them back in the face kind of moment. You know, if you if you really break down everything statistically and you look at it, you know, there's they're probably one point per possession, you know, kind of where you want to be. And, 
you know, obviously you want that to be down a little bit more, but I mean, it was, it shows that Creighton can be in big time, big minute games and still compete to win those games. And that says more than anything else, to be honest. It's, it's, it's something that, that I think they're going to ride on for a very long and good season here when it comes to conference and getting into uh, postseason play. Well, I knew that about this year's team, like even going back to last year's tournament game against Kansas, you know, like Kalki goes down the day before. Uh, you don't have Nemhard, who's the biggest freshman of the year. Somehow, some way, they give Kansas everything they got. So about this particular group, I knew that they were going to be able to fight and stay engaged and, and stay in games even when, you know, their backs are against the wall or things are going right. I just, I don't, I don't think I expected it to be because it just couldn't make some pretty good looks, in my opinion. Like some of them were, you know, obviously tough. Texas is a really tough defensive team with, you know, Coach Beard uh, manning the defensive side of the ball. But man, it's it just, it was tough to see miss after miss yesterday. I think we've all been in that situation, though. I, I, I can guarantee a game in your life, you're, you were like, how did, can't throw a freaking stone in the ocean kind of moment. And, a hundred, like thousands of games. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. But, you know, where maturity kind of, you know, steps in is, hey, I'm not, I'm not making shots. And I think Mac actually, this is the best way. I think, you know, I watch Mac talk after the game and I'm like sitting there and I'm like, I really am curious to what he's going to say. And he, uh, he was talking about Baylor and he was like, you know what? There's something about that kid. You know, he couldn't make a shot for the first 30 minutes of the game, you know, really struggled, <laughs> but he didn't give up on the defensive end of the floor. You know, he still was doing his thing. I mean, the, the, the kid had 11 defensive rebounds. I mean, that's huge for somebody who's not making shots and still on the floor playing 33 minutes in that game to still impact the game. That's just, that's the fact that they found ways to impact the game, even though they're not shooting the ball great, is, is definitely something to, to look forward into the future. One thing about Baylor, though, he definitely has a nose for the defensive rebound. That's for sure, because he's able to start the break and it always gives the Jays an advantage. We had Michael Vanderford on the show last week. We talked about how him handling the ball in early transition has opened up the keys for Ryan Nemhard, who I think is playing the best basketball he's playing at Jays jersey. Uh, was really solid, especially in the second half last time. Was a big reason why the Jays were in the game, um, you know, especially like down the stretch. Uh, but Baylor's just his ability to just go get a defensive board and start the break is what I've been really impressive. Honestly, it's not something that I totally expected. Had a chance to, you know, practice with them a little bit this summer. Got to see and meet some of the new guys. You know, what struck me about Baylor in that setting was just his competitive nature, obviously. Uh, and like um, Coach Courtney Williams was on the show too, and we talked about when the game's on the line, something's about like something about Baylor like just clicks. And we kind of saw a glimpse of that last night too. Like you yeah. said, couldn't throw a rock in the ocean. All of a sudden, when the big three used to like apply pressure to Texas for them to make free throws on the stretch, he made two crazy ones. And all of a sudden, you look up the game, the Jays are down two. You know, like it was so, a ball game. Yeah, man, it, it was a ball game all the way down to the end. We just fell a little bit short. I I imagine if there was an extra minute and a half, things could have gone differently. But you know, sometimes it works that way. Yeah, it was it was it was one of those games where you're sitting on the edge of your seat all 40 minutes. And you can't ask for anything better when it comes to basketball in early, late November, early December. I mean, that's that's exactly what you're looking for when you're. Uh, I mean, that's what draws people into collegiate basketball. 
as a fan, you know, it's you're sitting on the edge and you're just like, holy cow, is Michigan State going to do it to Gonzaga, you know, the first game of the year? <laughs> oh, my God, is Crane right. going to do it to Texas? You know, early December. You know, it, it's just, it's been a crazy year of college basketball already. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, what I like so much is like this was a part of the Big East, Big 12, uh, you know, battle. I, I love that conferences have decided to like uh, have these challenges, you know, where we could say, OK, like out of these 11 games that we could put up, uh, how many are you going to win? How many are we going to win? It, it's kind of like an early season test of like where you're at, especially in that point. The ACC and Big Ten does it, too. I love it because like it allows like the power five power six whatever we want to call it nowadays to not coddle the non-conference schedule so much like you have to go out and play some guys and see where you fit in not to call out any teams that i've seen in the past do this but not go into conference 11 and 0 and then finish the season 11 and 14 you know are you talking about wichita right now are you, are you no 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 if it was in wichita hey bro i have no problem saying wichita, you know? <laughs> well, well wasn't it wasn't that year that they oh man i thought they had a dog non-conference that one year where they were going undefeated in a conference and they actually ended up going undefeated in conference too god i don't remember what year that was but it's it was i think it was oh one of those years. that was that, I think that was my senior year, right? Because that was Fran Van Vliet's like real coming out party. Ron Baker yeah. was still there. Yes. Yeah. I, I think that was my my guy Shadrach Lufo was still on that team, if I'm not mistaken. Like I I I remember because that was after their final four run. Yes. Um and yeah. Okay. I, I wasn't calling out Wichita State, like I said, <laughs> as a as a my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. Who, who now has a crane-centric podcast. Trust me, if I wanted to call out Wichita State, I would do it. But that is not the team I had in mind. I had another Big East team in mind. And I'm sure you right now you're on Google trying to figure out which team I'm thinking of. You, Toby, let's not cancel, get our show canceled. Do not <laughs> do any shade at any Big doing East anything. Please, I'm begging you. I'm not doing but, a single uh, thing. <laughs> but yeah, I just like that conferences are doing that where like now you kind of get a chance to see like really what the real early tests and a real good early look at yeah. what these teams look like. What we know about Crane so far is it could play against absolutely anybody. Uh, we saw that in Maui with uh, them only losing to Arizona. Uh, this is their fourth straight uh, top 25 ranked opponent, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Uh, so they go two and two in those games. 
okay, now we know where we're at. And now we get to see, you know, deficiencies where we get to build. Um, I just, I really enjoy conferences being able to do that. And, you know, I hope it's a trend that continues because we know how some of these teams can be with just not wanting to get that early season loss. And, and I guess it would be a fool's gold way of having confidence in your team, in my personal opinion, if you're not really, you know, matching up and, and playing other teams. Let's remember, this is a Texas team that beat Gonzaga pretty handily at home. So with that being said, if you're a Jays fan and you see, you know, Gonzaga being a top 10 team, a top five team in most people's eyes, look at how we stacked up versus how you stacked up. Now there's a hypothetical game that we're playing. Both teams ended up losing, obviously. But like I said, it's just a good way to measure teams early in this season. So what say you, Toby? I think it's, I think it's important because it gets you more prepared so it's going to get you more prepared for those late season NCAA tournament games playing on a neutral. Well, obviously, you're not playing on neutral floors, but mm-hmm. it gets you used to playing against these top tier opponents. And it's not like you're playing against the Chicago States or you know the the Long Beach or the Longwood. You know what I mean? It's it's you're playing against yeah. people that you might see in the NCAA tournament, and it's a it's a resume booster whether or not they lost by five or not that's still going to boost them when it comes March. There's no doubt in my mind about it. So I I really think that it's important. I think Matt's done a really good job in the last couple of years of really scheduling well. And I think it's something that's going to continue to move forward from a Jay standpoint because, listen, the Green Blue Jays are, are a national known team now. It's, it's, it's no longer, <laughs> oh, who's Creighton? Mo Valley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... <laughs> It's the Creighton freaking Blue Jays, dude, and they're ready to mm-hmm. they're ready to toss hands when it comes time. So, I think that it's a it's a big prop to the coaching staff for getting not only the kids ready for games like this, but also scheduling games like this to test their abilities because they're going to look back at this. I guarantee you, they're going to look back at it when it comes to February and be like, "Where were we at? To where are we now?" And be like, "We're mm-hmm. ready." Kind of a moment. So, I really, I'm, I'm really looking out into the future for the Creighton Blue Jays and seeing success, the only thing that scares me, dude, is is minutes. Minutes, man. I mean, we've all been there. We've all been on teams that we've got three or four dudes playing more than 30 minutes a game or even high 20s. There's burnout, dude. There's 100% burnout, and that's when things, whether injuries happen or something happens, and I just, we need the bench to kind of step up. And I, I know you feel the same way because our bench should. We have the ability to. It's just, I don't know if there's a little bit of timidness there or if they're not getting the chance. They're getting pulled quick because they know they can go back to the five and continue to have success. I'm not really sure what's going on from a coaching standpoint, but we're going to need some productivity from our bench in order to make a run when it comes time. It's so funny that. I, I, the reason I'm laughing, as you mentioned, is because you might as well host this podcast because that was really the next question I was about to ask you. And I'm going to ask it exactly as I have it written down here <laughs> in my notes. Uh, hold on. Where is it? Yeah. All the J scoring came from their starting five. There was no yep. scoring that came from the bench. Uh, and then I was going to go into this anecdote about you and I both having started and having came off the bench. I was going to ask you what you know, someone who has gone through that, having come off the bench and also has started, when it is your time and your role to come off the bench and come into a game and make a splash, 
what what would you tell the current guys on the bench right now if you had a chance to if, if you had their listening ear what would you tell them about like their preparedness and, and having to learn how to get ready even though we all want to start that's not always going to happen obviously but it takes like a special approach to come off the bench and be successful and to you know either infuse energy or you know shooting or toughness whatever the team needs in that moment in time so what advice do you have toby to give to the guys to make sure that they're ready and that's that's a pretty good that's a good one um i mean from a guy who started his freshman year to having the sophomore slump to coming off the bench as a sixth seventh guy junior year to starting again his senior year i've definitely been on that train before and i definitely know what you're talking about 110 percent and truthfully, looking back at my career, I think I was playing my best basketball my junior season in the fall um, <laughs> to Nebraska Dunks. You know I was playing my best basketball. <laughs> From a guy who Let's doesn't save the Nebraska stuff for later. We'll talk about Nebraska uh, in a little um, bit. Come on. Talk to I him honestly, about what you would tell the yes, kids right No, now. I got you. I got you. I got you. Where I was going is when you come off the bench, the, you got to – you, you can't get kind of like pulled into the game. You kind of got to sit back and kind of watch what's going on. You got to look at, hey, what's the, where, when I come in, where am I going? Well, I'm going to go in at the four or the five. All right, I'm going in for Justin or I'm going in for Cole. Who, who's darting them? What are they doing? Are they aggressive? Are they, are they kind of being shot fake? You know, you're, you're kind of scouting from the scout that you were given while you're sitting there. And, and I think that kind of gives you a, an advantage almost because you might get subbed in at the 16 minute mark at the you know the first tv timeout and they still might be on the floor and they're gonna be tired and you're right. coming in with fresh legs and you got to look at it like i've got 100 percent advantage here i know what his game is i've been watching him for four minutes i'm about to go take care of business or hey that dude's kind of lighting us up i need to go stop him you know it's it's you're evaluating the game as you're sitting there on the bench and i think that sometimes in big games uh, the bench just kind of gets too much into the game. They don't step back and they're 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 still remembering. Hey, I got a job to do. I got to I got to right. be watching the the CBs of the world and seeing, you know, oh he's got a left hand jumper that or jump hook this year. You know, I can't just give him a left hand hook. I got to make sure I'm playing them both ways. You know, there's there's situations where you can get into the game, but that's usually when you're winning by you know ten or so. But when it's a close game, you're sitting there, you're thinking about what you're gonna do next. And when you step on the floor, you just give it you give it everything you got because one, the coaches are gonna realize mm-hmm. it and be like, I can't take the guy off the floor. He's jumping on the on the floor for a loose ball. He's boxing this guy out and the whatever. I mean, the guys were they were doing a great job defensively for almost nearly the entire part of that game. But I think there was just a lack of con- or not confidence, but just a lack of paying attention and being locked in when that bench kind of came mm-hmm. in. It got a little sloppy, and I think that's why Mac went back to the starters as early as he did, and kind of just kind of let them ride for the game because I don't think he had the trust in his his bench at that time, and I think that's on it's on them. It really is, and I think they just got to sit back and they got to be like, I need to be better for one, and two, how do I get better? And I think it's evaluating those people while you're sitting there watching them play because I think that gives you more of an advantage than all the hours of film that you just watched because I don't care what kind of basketball player you are. You're not playing the same basketball game every single time you step on the floor. People are taking away things. You're getting different looks. 
you know, you can only scout so much, but when you're sitting there front row on the court, looking at a guy, knowing that Angel Delgado doesn't have anything outside of six feet, you kind of, you pick up on those things and it gives you a little bit of a confidence boost, giving you a bigger head defensively. And then your offense kind of starts flowing because you're playing well defensively and you're kind of getting into a rhythm and that rhythm just kind of takes off. So I think we just got to be a little bit more locked in and not be so it, and it kind of sounds bad because I'm basically saying don't get into the moment because you should kind of get into the moment. You know, you know, it's 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 a fine line, dude. It's a really fine line, and I don't really know how else to kind of explain it. Well, I love that you brought that up, and I wanted to touch on that specific point right there because you know, obviously, we're a lot older now, and we we're thinking about it with you know, hindsight being twenty twenty. I. I came off the bench to start my freshman year. It wasn't until halfway that, through that year that I, you know, got the nod to start. And I guess I never really looked back since. But uh, like the thing about like being in the moment, that is the thing that I was really big on was to stand up every time my teammates did something good, you know, to cheer as I was like, when I was out on the bench, you know, just to provide encouragement. Uh, obviously, I wasn't tasked to do some of those things these guys are tasked to do coming off the bench. Uh, that was in my skill set at the time. Um, I was just asked to come in and provide energy. But I do understand what you mean, because obviously being a pro, I've started some seasons, I've come off the bench some seasons. Heck, this year right now, like there's some games that I start, there's some games that I come off the bench. And I now understand this is my ninth year playing overseas, right? That cerebral approach that it takes when you're coming off the bench. Yo, still learning, always learning. But that cerebral approach that it takes when you come off the bench to not be so high as to, you know, what is actually going on. Like I, I have to remind myself to like take a seat, like literally like lean back into your seat and watch the action. And what I've learned is uh, th- those first couple of minutes when you're on the bench and you're watching the action, it is a confirmation or a denial of what the coaches showed you on film. And when it's a confirmation, that's what gives you the most confidence, right? Like you mentioned, like, you know, like the guy that you're probably going to go in to guard. Uh, what are his strengths? What are his weaknesses? Like, we know that the coaching staff have gone over those things. Is a catch and shoot guy, run him off the line, yada, yada, yada. Those first couple of minutes is a confirmation of that. Oh, yeah. You know, the coaching staff did their job. They gave me the right information. Every once in a while, the guy can do a little bit more than what the coaching staff can do. And that's also your responsibility to sit back and watch that and be like, oh, I didn't know he had that in his package. All right, when I get in, I'm going to make sure I'm going to shut that down also. You know, and that's just us speaking on the defensive end. Obviously, on the offensive end, too, like I've learned to be like, oh, they're tagging from, you know, the bottom guy, not the top guy on ball screen coverages. Oh, they're reading ball screens. They're going under on ball screens, whatever the thing may be, right? So I, I just think it's kind of a bit of a growing pain. And I know we're getting into the nitty gritty of like basketball like mindset X's and O's a little bit too. But I do think that is an important thing that you brought up as far as, you know, a player's ability to survey, to understand what's going on and then to be able to apply that in real time once their name is called. So I I thought that was a brilliant point that you brought up. I think that it's, it's a tough point to teach 18, 19, 20 and 21 year old kids, you know, looking back at it, you know, I, I would never have been the type of guy that kind of looks in and, and does that. You know, it took me till my red shirt junior year where I'm 22 years old, you know, to, to realize <laughs> this is, this is what it is, you know, and you, 
and it, it it's true i mean kids back then dude we're, we're in the moment and there's nothing wrong with being in the moment i hope that anybody listening to this doesn't doesn't take that the wrong way because it's not that i don't want you to cheer for your for your teammates i don't want you to to get the crowd into it that's 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 not at all that i'm saying you can do that while sitting back watching the game. That's not all who we were either. We were definitely yeah. those guys jumping around. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I have I could show you hundreds of pictures of me jumping up and down waving a towel whatever and I can probably put a thousand of them of you because mm-hmm. you're just that guy. And <laughs> but I think that there's something to be said about it. there's some growing pains here that need to happen and I think this is going to open up the eyes to those those bench guys um you know to the Mason Millers um to, to sharif you know who's been there for how long you know i mean it's it's gonna open up eyes to be like we got to come in the game and do something we can't be a liability you know there's a reason that we're playing for one because coaches believe that we can play now we got to believe in ourselves and we got to believe in the scout believe in all the preparation that we put in because i mean if you really think about it creighton has been preparing for this game for days so you know for a fact they had a really good scout on them, and it proves to it. Five point loss. I mean, they they didn't go, they didn't give up. But I really think that we just need to be a little bit more locked in when it comes to our bench players coming in. Big Kalki has been better than advertised this year. He goes nine for ten yesterday, twenty points, thirteen rebounds. We knew what he could do defensively. He was on the podcast too. We spoke about that, like some of the stuff that he's been working on to improve his game offensively. But he's always been a high efficiency guy. He's taken that to a whole other level this year. What has impressed you so much about the big fella, you know, being able to get deep seals, you know, finishing in the paint both left and right, and obviously the occasional alley-oop every once in a while? Man, I, I've, I have the utmost respect for that guy. You know, for, for a seven-footer, I, I don't – you could look back however long, but for a seven-footer to play 35 great minutes like he did last <laughs> night – is I want to say almost unheard of, but very rare, I guess, is probably the better way of putting it. The dude is a sheer all-star. I don't care. You can put him up against any center in the in the country, and he's going to prove himself. Obviously, you know, it's. I think Mac has done a really good job of teaching him the importance of, you know, getting off of the ball screen quickly or those alley-oops that you're talking about because I think over the last year – you know, he's kind of gotten a little bit quicker getting off those ball screens, giving him a little bit more opportunity. And I think as he's developed into his body, because all of us at 18, 19 years old haven't done that yet, you know, he's starting to realize how well he can pin people to two feet. And I don't know if you watched the post game, but I've never laughed so hard in my life. Somebody somebody asked uh he's like, uh, you know, how do you how do how 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 much confidence do you have when, when you get the ball down low? And he's like well, if I'm not making a two-foot jumper, I shouldn't be playing. Or it's, it was something just <laughs> extremely sarcastic because he he knows that they're high percentage shots, and he's got the the, right. the space. He he, it's just it's he's he's grown so much right in front of us. It's been it's been really cool to see, to be honest, as an alum, what as I, man, whatever. What I love the most about him is I didn't realize how much personality he had. Like this summer was the first time I got a glimpse of it. And, you know, I would encourage everybody to go back and listen to that. I believe it was the second episode of this year's uh, podcast with with Big Kalki. He 
man, he he demands a lot of attention and he's got great personality. I could see like why the guys love him in the locker room because he's a really good guy, like really cares about his teammates. And he's just worked his butt off to be able to be so efficient. And yeah, people could say, well, he's seven feet. He's yada, yada. Trust me, it is not that easy to continuously hit and get hit, to roll as quickly as you do, to outrun bigs, to have deep seals. That stuff is not easy. Like have, and, and I love this because like we live in such an era where, you know, everyone wished that they did the opposite of what they do. Guards wish they were big. Bigs wish they were guards. It's not that easy to do all these post-up drills, you guys. Trust me. Like later in my career, because I've finally got into the man body I was supposed to finally have, I'm finally posting up guards a little bit. And it is a tough job to get double teamed down there to find the right pass and to be efficient. Like, trust me, I'm not holding any of that stuff uh, or I'm not taking any of that stuff for granted for Big Hockey. Like what he's doing is eye popping, to be honest. And, yep. you know, there's a reason why he's so efficient on game days because he's worked so hard in the offseason to get to where he is. I, I can't help but also bring up Ryan Nemhart in this situation. I talked about him a little bit earlier about how crucial he was in the second half. His last four games, man, he's just been on another level as well. The combination of him and Colbert on a ball screen, we, you, we talked about their alley-oop connection a little bit, but they just have such a, you know, good one-two punch there. And I think it's obviously the reason why Jays are getting some of these open shots on the perimeter, which, you know, prayer is up that they start knocking him down, obviously. But again, a two-man game, the most a uh, simple version of basketball. What do you see from those two that's going to, you know, bring a lot of success to the Jays as the season progresses? I think the best thing for them has been playing together for that first year and getting to know each other's strengths and weaknesses because now they can they can work off of each other better than they did last year. You know, Kaltbrenner's got some really good hands. They're, I mean, yeah, he does. It, is, it is not – I don't care – who you are or if you're five foot five and you think you can dunk or whatever, but to catch an alley-oop like, and make it look so easy, it's not. It, it's truly not. I mean, sometimes those passes are coming a million miles an hour and you don't see that as a fan, but to be able to catch those efficiently, whether come down with them or finish them or, or just dunk them, you know, it's, 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 it's a testament to the talk because they're not afraid to give them the ball. And that says something to to, about him you know whether whether or not he's he's got the right position or not they're going to throw it to his hands because he knows everybody on that floor knows that he's going to go and get the ball with really good hands and make a good decision with it you know i think the relationship between the ryans i i i really truly think is going to be impressive all year long i i, I don't care because you could have you could have ryan coming off ryan one ryan two whatever you can have talk coming off of a ball screen, going to the hoop, getting an alley-oop. You can get that three times in a row, and then Nemhard comes off of a screen, hits a 15-foot jumper. Or he fakes the black screen, comes off, back to his right hand, and shoots a, a step-back three. You know, it's it's such a lethal weapon when you have a really good point guard and a really good center because watching them work off of each other, it's almost, it's almost magical in a way. And I think we're going to get a really good glimpse of that all season long. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Up next for the Jays, Nebraska coming down to the CHI. Uh, Nebraska's 5-3 and three this year. Um, that's a game that we always all look forward to. I, I see the, the your eyes sparkle a little bit every time I say the name Nebraska. I love Nebraska. Uh, so they're 5-3 and three coming into the Jays. <laughs> they're 5-3 and three coming into the Jays arena. Uh, on Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they have wins against Maine, Omaha, Arkansas Pine Bluff, Florida State, and, and Boston College. That was part of their ACC Big Ten uh, battle. They have losses against Oklahoma, Memphis, and St. John's. I think the St. John's game was a 20-point loss. You know how it is when Nebraska is next on the schedule. Talk to me about, like, you know, the feeling knowing that that's the next game and what like practices and like that whole, let's say like three day prep looks like when you know you're going to play Nebraska next. I think you're at a different level of being locked in because you know how important that game is when you're English, English professor, prof- oh Jesus, professor, <laughs> English professor. <laughs> Your professor. Walks up to you after class and says, listen, if you don't beat Nebraska, you're not passing my class. <laughs> you know, there's there's a level of excitement and, and just you're just like, I'm not only getting it from my teammates and my coaches, but Joe Blow walking down the streets all locked in for this game. I don't care if it's your psych professor. I don't care if it's your econ professor. Every single one of them is locked in on this game. The Creighton-Nebraska game almost should be a national holiday in the state of Nebraska. That's how, like, that's how important it is, dude. And yeah. you realize it as a player early. I don't, you don't need to see it your junior and senior year. You already know the day you walk on campus. That mm-hmm. first season, you know that this means more than anything to Creighton fans, and Omahaans, whatever. I mean, it's wh- whoever it is, it means a lot to both sides. And to say that I was 5-0 and against them just makes me feel great. So they can go pound it. Well, I knew that from my visit, even when D Rock came and picked me up at the airport, and I saw a Cornhusker cab. Since we have Ubers and Lyfts and all that stuff, we don't see cabs so much anymore. But it was a red car with the number on the side said Cornhusker cab, and D Rock immediately pointed out, and he's just like, "We don't like them," and he just <laughs> drove off. I was like, "Damn!" It doesn't shock me so, one bit. Trust me, like I I knew before, you know getting the real lay of the line in Omaha about like the, the rivalry and how important it was to Korean fans. Uh, so yeah, no, you're absolutely right. When everybody on campus walked in, like the threat of not passing, like I, I, is, is that a true story, Toby? Because we might have to dig into that story a little bit. I'm telling you 110% that happened. True story <laughs> to me. I want to say it was my junior year of uh, my college uh, it was unbelievable i couldn't i couldn't believe it because it was this really small petite woman who you know 
probably hasn't played a lot of basketball in her life, but she literally, after class, where, again, we probably had a two or three-day prep, right? It was probably one of the first two days. I'm just, like, going to class, you know, doing, you know, like every college student doing your thing, and, and you're about to walk out, put your headphones in, you know, and all of a sudden the professor just stops you, puts, puts your hand in front of you and says, hey, can I talk to you? And you're like, oh, shoot, <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> so you're like oh did i not cite something correctly you know kind of you're going through that part of your life and then uh she's like you know what if you don't be nebraska i'm not letting you pass this class without i was like i just i kind of stepped back i was like okay that's the level of intensity gotta get it done yeah that's that's the intensity level that we got to bring this year so it, it was quite the experience but i really I really hope that this game, you know, watching the St. John's Nebraska game, I really want this to kind of be a ball game, to be truthfully honest, because I want there to be long-term success for Fred Hoiberg, because I think he could, I think he could kind of bring Nebraska back to what it used to be, just with his background. And you know, Fred was, you know, at Iowa State when I was getting recruited, recruited one of my best friends, Matt Thomas, mm-hmm. recruited me at the same time, wanting to go there. You know, TJ. Um, from my who's coaching Iowa State now was the assistant that recruited us. You know, I, I have a really good personal relationship with those guys. So you want to have them have long term success. But I really still want the Blue Jays to whoop their ass. I, of course. <laughs> of I mean, course. And it kind of sucks too because like uh I, I've gone to uh know a lot of these coaches through Mac, right? Mac is obviously really close friends with a lot of those guys. Uh, the relationship that I have with Mac now, like I've been able to meet some of those guys and I like, got to know him and I could see why Mac is friends with, you know, like the Hoybergs, you know, of, um, God, why am I blanking on my guy who was the coach when I was playing at Nebraska? God, you guys are going to kill me for this. The head coach for Nebraska when I was playing. Mumbai He's an assistant coach. there now. He coached? No. What? Maybe. I don't think so. No, maybe not. Either way, hold on. Either way, but like, okay, so like an example, like Coach Cooley, you know, at Providence, like I've, I've obviously we played against them, got to know him, obviously, Great like dude. he's really close with Mac. Awesome guy, but like you hate these guys because we have to play against them, but they're great. People. I still so hate you, Providence. In the fans. back of your heart, like you're just like them. Yeah, <laughs> you still want, you still want good for him, right? Like a Coach Cooley is a hard guy to cheer against just because, like, I, I've gone to know him and how good of a person he is uh throughout the years but yeah like as you mentioned that yeah we still want Crane to absolutely go down and whoop the ass that's a hundred and ten percent uh Derek Walker is a forward at Nebraska he's averaging 15 and 10 in the three games that he's played so far um followed by uh Casey Tominaga I hope I'm not butchering his name and CJ Wilshire both guards are averaging about 11 and a half 12 points What's it going to take for the Bulls to be victorious in this uh, rivalry game? You know they're coming off that loss. I know they're chomping at the bit to get back on the court. So what's it going to take for them to bring home a victory here? You know, I think it just comes back down to preparation and being locked in for 40 minutes. And we're going to need our bench to do something. It's not like you need your bench. With, with the starting five like Creighton has, you don't need your bench to just go overdo it. You just need them to come in and keep that spark alive and just not kill the momentum. And and I think that if, you know, you need Miller to hit a couple threes because that's what he does. You need him to rebound the basketball. 
any anyone that comes off the bench has the ability to do it. We just need something out of that. I think there's going to be a long it's going to be a long season if our starting five is playing 30 plus minutes a game because we've all been there. We've all seen it. It's just not good long term. And I think Mac knows that more than than ever just with you know, he's been coaching for so long. He's learned those lessons over his life. That's why he's changed the way he practices. That's why he's changed the way he preps. You know, is because of those late season injuries and stuff like that. So I think that it's going to be really important for our starting five to start us off strong. But it's going to be re- it's going to be even probably more important for our bench to come in and actually create a spark of some sort, whether it's getting on the floor for a loose ball, going up over somebody, hitting a couple jump shots. That spark is going to be important and something to look forward when this uh, when we come to tip off. I'm expecting Trey Alexander to have a major bounce back game. You know, he kind of struggled. Yeah. I think only four points in his 33, 34 minutes. So I'm expecting him to come out the gates. You know, trying to obviously like build back some of that confidence that he had because he was playing some really good basketball in Maui. Like I'm talking about elite level basketball on both ends of the floor. What I love the most about him is his willingness to take on that defensive challenge a little bit like Alex O'Connell did last year. You see that he's really stepping up to the opposing best perimeter threat and he's trying his best to lock him down. He's only going to get better uh, in that role and in that job. So I'm expecting him to have a really big game. Who do you have your eye on as a Blue Jay that you think is going to have a really big game against Nebraska? Man, you, you almost want it. You almost want it to be Alexander, but I'm looking at Baylor to to come off and just get hot quick. Like I'm talking like Ethan Rodgy, just hot, just getting getting after it immediately and continuing throughout the course of 40 minutes. You know, he might hit a couple shots early, but it's going to be his defense that keeps him in the game and then hit some late shots, but he is going to probably have a great game, and I think it's going to be fun because I'm almost positive he's a Nebraska kid, isn't he? Yeah, Baylor's from... Uh... Wow. I'm blanking on this, too. Where's Baylor Aurora. from? Can we Google this real quick? Aurora. Aurora. There it is. Yep. So there being a Nebraska kid, I'm, mm-hmm. I am telling you it's going to be very important for him. Because he knows this rivalry. He knows this importance. I guarantee it from almost birth. So it's gonna be it's gonna be hundred percent Baylor. He's gonna have a great game. Um and then obviously I think Cock and uh the, the both Ryans are gonna have great games too. So but I got my eye on uh, Baylor for sure. I think he's gonna try and bounce back really well. But going back to the Nebraska coaches, were you thinking of Tim Miles? No, no, not Tim Miles. But Tim Miles is also a really good guy that Coach Mack knows. And Tim Miles, friend of the show, Fielder 68 contributor before he got his uh, San Jose State job. Shout out to Tim Miles for sure. Uh, so who am I thinking about then? Because I know you got it next. Who was before Tim it was, Miles? It was Doc Sadler. Doc, there it is. Want to know why I messed it up? Because homie Avery Digman, you know how he used to always fumble the first letter of each uh so he would call him sock dadler all the time so that's why i couldn't say <laughs> oh my guy sock shout oh, out gosh. avery dingman oh, avery gosh. dingman used to always just you know whatever name that you're like my name would be mahans janiga you know like like he would just do that all the time just to mess with us and stuff so he'd be like oh sock dadler you know so that's avery- why i just couldn't Avery to this day still plays mental mind <laughs> games with everybody. It's not even it's 
I guarantee you that we both don't play as much basketball as we used to in our lives. But even at, you know, the weddings this summer, it's still mental. It's He's still trying to get into that head to this oh, day. Oh, yeah. It's just who he His is. competitive nature. His competitive nature. Just, as soon as he sees us, too, like, it just, it kicks in. I don't know what oh, yeah. it is. Because I know, like, like on a daily basis, he won't have it. But as soon as he sees one of us, like, he just has to get right into it. Oh, yeah. So, it's going to be a really good game, man. We're hoping that the Jays are going to be back on track, obviously. Um, a very important game for, you know, bragging rights in the state of Nebraska. Uh, our ladies beat Nebraska earlier this year already. So I guess, boys, it's our turn. It's our turn. Follow the ladies' lead here because the girls are killing too. Um, they've been doing a really good job. Like, I mean, that's something to, uh, something to their, talk uh, about for sure. Elite Eight run. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Following their Elite Eight run, they, they haven't skipped a beat at all. It is a great day. You know, you always – you know you always see it on Twitter and people that say it's a great day to be a Blue Jay. But God dang it, it mm-hmm. is a great day to be a Blue Jay. You've got Creighton Men's Soccer on Saturday fighting for an elite fighting mm-hmm. in the Elite Eight. You've got women's volleyball tonight starting their tournament run. Yep, you got that. You've got top ten team as your men's basketball team, and you have a top fifteen mm-hmm. team as your girls. There is Should be top ten. We can have that conversation. There is no better day than this time to be a Blue Jay fan for sure. I mean, it's yeah. it's got to have the city of Omaha just in a riot almost. Shout out Coach Flam. Shout out Coach Boo. Shout out to all those coaches, yeah. you know, doing work. Um, and, you know, as alumni, we're very biased. But, like, nationwide, I think, obviously, the Blue Jay name is getting more and more recognition. And, you know, that's all thanks to the good work that those coaches do on a day-in, day-out basis, followed by their staff, followed by the student-athletes, um, who are all obviously putting their best foot forward and representing as well as they are. It's pretty cool to see just how invested these coaches are. You know, you've always seen it from Flan. You've always seen it from mm-hmm. Booth. But you've kind of seen it with Mac a little bit more as he's getting towards the later part of his career. He's getting a little bit more invested and. In, you know, he always had a couple games, you know, with that big Isaiah's year in three where his hands are over his head trying to get the crowd into it and stuff. You see more of that. But now you add on like a Johnny Torres from the men's bas- or the men's soccer co- head coach. He just brings a different side of energy to the game. And it, want, it makes you want to play for him even more. And I think that's why you're seeing long-term success from, from every single program at Creighton. I mean, there, there's nothing. You've got some of the best coaches in the in the country without a doubt and yes i'm biased as we all are as alumni yeah definitely biased yeah oh yeah Craig is the best oh yeah did you guys not know that <laughs> but, shout out coach torres coach torres his son dominic used to always be one of my kids uh for camp or whatever like i was always his coach so like him and i, I got pretty that. close over like my four years that i was there because like somehow some way like i would always end up coaching dominic so shout out coach torres like uh, unbelievably good guy like He's doing the absolute most of the opportunity he was given, which, you know, he earned, obviously, having been a player, having been an assistant coach, and now a, a, a head coach in his alma mater. That's the dream right there. Like, that I mean, is the is, literal dream. So he he's has doing done, it. He has done it perfectly. You know, he's done his time at all levels. Mm-hmm. And I, I know in my later part of my career, I got pretty not close with him, but, you know, it wasn't the, hey, coach, you know, when you're passing each other, it's, hey, how's the family? How's... How are you doing? Right. How's school? You kind of get a little bit closer with with other coaches on on campus, and 
and Johnny was just that guy that just always had something to say that made you laugh. And, you know, it was just like, God, I, I'm a, I'm going to go step in goal for him and, and try my best kind of <laughs> just because of the, the dude he is, you know? So I can yeah. only imagine how, and it's no different with Booth or, or Flan or Mac. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, you, you want to go fight for him and you want to do your best for him. And, and, and I know we've kind of harped on our bench a little bit, probably a little bit too much here tonight, but I really, I really know that they want to go out. I want, I know Miller and all the rest of them want to go out and be successful for this team. Um, I just, I think there's a, a little bit of not confusion, but a, a little bit of timidness there um, here early. But I think that, the, I think this game was probably the best thing to happen for that bench because it's going to flip that switch for them and be like, all right, it's now or never push up or shut up. All right. Well, I certainly appreciate you taking a little time out of your day to step into the J with me one more time. How often have we been to the J together? We're doing it virtually now, but it's the best that we can do since they shut down that hey, beautiful, beautiful establishment. There has to be, and hear me out here, there has to be a day where you and I go on with a, a card table, a card folding table with a generator, <laughs> some extension cords, whatever it's got to be, where we go uh-huh. and sit where the J used to be in that field, yeah. Have a drink and talk about uh, talk about crane sports because there's there lit- I'm telling you that thing will blow up, hundred percent. Well, because having a podcast called Welcome to the J, I feel like I sh- already should have done that at least at some point. So you're giving me a lot of ideas for the summer times idea. back in Omaha now. Toby Hegner, we appreciate you so much. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe to Field of Six Day Media Network for content such as this. I hope you guys enjoyed this uh episode this was episode number five our fifth guest of season number three we're three seasons in toby welcome to I'm, the j baby alive I'm a top, and thriving i'm a top five guy yes i mean yeah you are great. a top five guy top five top, top five, five top five, five. <laughs> any last words for the j fans toby any last words man there's there's uh nothing else that i can say truthfully i mean it's 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 an exciting time to be uh an alum for one and to be a fan now um and to be hopefully raising a fan here shortly um Hell yeah i mean there's no better time to be a, a blue jay fan there's without a doubt in my mind it's it's simply from top to bottom it's it's simply amazing you said hopefully i'm gonna change that word to definitely <laughs> uh love you tobias bro uh oh. obviously it's so good to see you as always uh let's make sure that we stay in touch yeah always You got it, 12. All right, everybody. Take care. Appreciate you guys listening in. And as always, go Jays. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.